Keeping up with weekly graphics at your church can be overwhelming. With the Graphic of the Week from Church Media HQ, you get a fresh graphic delivered right to your inbox every week for free. You'll receive a new sermon design, social image, or seasonal graphic each week for an entire year. Sign up for the free graphic of the week at churchmediahq.com. While you're there, check out their affordable membership options and use promo code BRIAN to get $100 off any upgrade. Get free graphics for a year at churchmediahq.com. That's churchmediahq.com. You're listening to an ongoing discussion on life, leadership, and ministry. This is the Brian Sams Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Brian Sams Podcast. This is Brian Sams, your host, and I'm joined today by my friend, Aaron Chan. Aaron, welcome. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. In fact, I'm doing real great. Well, you're about to do something. I'm about to do something amazing. In fact, today is May the 30th, so welcome to all of our listeners. Tomorrow is June the 1st, and tomorrow I'm launching out on a seven-week sabbatical. What do you think about that? I think it's great. Good. Well, I'm glad you think it's great. <laughs> I do too. And you're you're obviously have to step up in a big way here in the next uh, seven weeks. Praying nothing. Uh, praying nobody dies. Praying uh, you yeah, know, nothing happens. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. We're we're praying it goes well. So here's what I wanted to do. I mean, I'm obviously not even going to listen to this episode till like August or something. So, but I wanted to take um, some time and share a lesson with you on you need a sabbatical. And I have looked at this, I've thought about it. My only exposure to sabbatical before really just settling as a pastor for for now six years uh, was for sabbatical when I was in California and Pastor Chapel had some health issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he was basically forced out for six to seven weeks. And I think think then he made it a pattern uh, annually. And that's not necessarily what I'm describing here. I'm describing a strategic planned, predictable, um, calendared sabbatical that should be a regular part of a pastor's rhythm Mm -hmm. going into, uh, as far as part of his longevity track at a church. So let me give you, I just want to start by giving some, just some facts here. Um, This July, for me, represents uh, 20 years of gospel ministry. I started uh, preaching the gospel, working at Christian Camping Ministry in 2002. I uh, had the privilege of filling a pulpit, actually filling multiple pulpits uh, in that year, and even um, uh, was almost like an interim pastor, not really, but preached multiple weeks at the same church uh, in Topeka, Kansas when I was finishing up my first grad degree. Mm-hmm. So I was finishing up grad school, but I was, I was engaged. I was, I was preaching a lot and uh, full-time engaged in ministry. So I would say, so that marks 20 years. It also is 20 years of marriage. Congrats. Thank you. Angie and I were married on July 27th, 2002. So that that marks our 20th year anniversary. My son, Braxton, was actually born on our anniversary two years ago. Oh, cool. So it'll be Braxton's two-year-old birthday as well. And uh, so that was a great great uh, anniversary present that year. and then, and then also the end of July, almost the same date, is my sixth anniversary of being called to pastor River City Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. So that conglomeration of milestones led me down a journey of considering a sabbatical to launch into this next season of life. So let me give you some, some first of all, reasons why pastors in particular should consider sabbatical 
Um, the average tenure of a pastor is three years, three to four years. And that has all been expedited and even, I think, more sharply um, true in the last few years. Um 80% of the pastors say that 2020 was their most difficult year of ministry, which was the COVID year. Mm-hmm. 75% of pastors since 2020 have faced depression. 90% feel unequipped. 80% leave ministry within the first five years of seminary. Uh, 1,400 quit each month, and I think that's an old stat. It's actually 67% say that 2020 was their hardest year. I read an article this week called Pastors Are Hurting More Than You Know. H.P. Charles shared it on his um, on his uh, social media. I'll put it in the show notes here. Pastors Are Hurting More Than You Know by Mike Glenn from Brentwood Baptist Church. He talks about there has been a lot of conversation about the Great Resignation. The Great Resignation was what happened after 2020 where multiple people began to rethink their careers and they began to quit. In the Great Resignation, he says people are reevaluating their lives and walk away from walking away from their jobs. How many restaurants have you been to lately that had to roped off part of their dining room, limited their hours because they didn't get enough help? I mean, I almost had a heart attack the other day when I went to Chipotle and they were only open for <laughs> online ordering, which was an amazing crisis for me. And by the way, on that note, I, I would encourage you try to be a little extra kind to uh, restaurant workers. Tip a little bit more. Be mm-hmm. a little nice. Be a little more patient. Don't be a jerk. Be a Christian. Be a Christian. If your water didn't get filled up appropriately, just suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> and then, you know, when you feel like a jerk, just add $5 to the tip and bite your tongue and quit being stupid. <laughs> okay? I mean, that's fair, right? Yeah. Um, be nice to people. No, who, who? Okay, you go out for a late dinner one night after church, that 22-year-old waitress with that's a single mom is there at midnight. Yep. You know, you think she wants to be there? Nope. No. So quit being a jerk. Okay, thank you. That's my free tip for the day. Uh, he goes on to say pastors were beaten up pretty badly during COVID-19, and, and they aren't put, going to put themselves and their families through it anymore. I've talked to a lot of pastors who made promises to get their churches through COVID-19, and now that things are easing up, they are stepping out. Something broke during COVID-19. Things are always frayed, because of, already frayed, excuse me, because of inflammable political atmosphere, um, we used to be able to debate. We used to be able to talk about issues. We could disagree, but not anymore. Um, COVID-19 hit. We were told the pandemic was now striking every continent, and we had no defense. They predicted millions would die, and a lot of people did. Lots of people got sick. Hospitals were overrun. Schools and offices were closed. Restaurants and retail shops closed. Yes, churches closed for weeks, months, and some for even more than a year. Churches moved to online services. People who were once committed and fully engaged, grad, gradually drifted away. Parents now are working at home and homeschooling their children all at the same time. For the first time in people's history, they were told they weren't essential. Ouch. Uh, yeah, a lot of us cracked under the pressures. Addictions went through the roof. Suicide spiked. Domestic violence spiked. Social media became a cesspool of name-calling and accusation. And unfortunately, some churches were no better. Asking pastors, why was the church closed? Why was the church open? Who gave me the power to do this? And of course... Uh, you're going to answer to God for everything that you do. And it's just chaos. Mm -hmm. So there's this pressure that has built that pastors are hurting, generally speaking, always because of the ministry, but in particular recently. 
I recognize that there are dangers, toils, and snares associated with pastoral work. I understand that there's inherent hazards to my family, uh, I, I and I understand I, and I, I understand the unseen or un, that there is unseen or unfelt exhaustion associated with the last few years. Now that precipitated me thinking about s- Sabbath, but the truth of the matter is, I think I think Sabbath should be injected into the life of a preacher, with or without a crisis. Mm-hmm. Transparently, I'm not going through a crisis right now. Like I feel pretty good. I feel pretty healthy. Um, my weight's down this year. I'm exercising a lot more. I've I've never felt like our church was at peace more. So I'm not I'm not going into sabbatical for a crisis, but I'm going into a, a sabbatical knowing that um, ministry is tough, and it's good to go on a sabbatical, not because I'm on the brink of quitting but because I'm more resolved than ever to stay at RCBC for many years to come. In fact, I, I wrote down six reasons. I gave them this to our leadership. The other day I just shared this with our leadership. Mm-hmm. Six reasons why I was committed to staying at River City. Number one, I believe God called me here. I don't believe my work is done here. Number two, ministry is always tough. So it's going to be tough no matter where I go. So why why go somewhere else and be tough when I can be here and be tough? <laughs> um, RCBC number three is a healthy church. I want to enjoy what I've worked so hard to build over the last six years. Um, this has been crappy from time to time, honestly, and there's been very difficult days and um, lots of heartache, lots of tears, lots of struggle, lots of sleepless nights. But um, why go start that all over again? Number four, my children have stability with school, friends, etc. I think it'd be a dangerous move right now for me to uproot my kids, particularly my daughter and my older son, and uh, and move them uh, to start all over again. Uh, my my financial situation is stable. Um, moves are expensive. Mm-hmm. Retirement, in my case, is being built. My home equity is solid. I would lose out on thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to moves, to um, paying realtor fees on both ends. And I just don't think it's a smart financial move, frankly. And then finally, um, if ever down the road I added or changed some sort of ministry role, meaning I got involved with something else other than pastoring, like in other words, I've already settled why I'm not going to make a lateral move, but then out there, you know, there may be some other move that's not lateral. Like I see myself maybe uh, in the future, maybe doing more college work or nonprofit work, adoption, you just stuff that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most of what I would be doing, I could do at the same time as pastoring, which I've been doing for six years. And I've told my church, I don't think a church like this in the inner city with the amount of people that we have will ever be able to fully sustain the needs of a pastor with five kids. Um, and that's okay. I know that. And so I do other things. I just, I teach and, and, and it's fine. Um, However, if I did get involved with one of those other things, I think there's wisdom in me waiting and letting relationships develop that are already developing. In my world that I live in now, um, I'm relatively new in relationships with all kinds of people and all kinds of forums, and and uh, I just think if I took a role outside of pastoring now, it'd probably be premature mm-hmm. because something in the future down the road like when I'm getting older, could pop, and it might be a better better perspective for me. So I just proposed last Sunday to our church leadership of about 15 men and women and their families 
that I would take a seven-week sabbatical beginning in June and ending in the last Sunday of July, or the next last Sunday of July. That seven-week sabbatical would end or climax with a celebration on my sixth anniversary as the pastor of the church. And uh, so I come back, preach that service back, and then we have a big fellowship and just a celebration, just rejoicing in all that God's done and pushing forward into the future, okay? That is... Those are some of the reasons why philosophically a pastor should take a sabbatical. But let me give you a couple of um, biblical or, or three other perspectives. So the, the second reason why you should consider taking... So number one, pastors have this inherent risk, and it should be built into their longevity. Now, if you are a pastor that only is going to be there 18 months and you go hopping around to church, don't take a sabbatical. You don't need a sabbatical. <laughs> you need to stay put. That's what you need. You don't need to be bouncing every 18 months because you ran out of sermons or because you had your feelings hurt. You need to stay at it. I'm talking about guys that stay at it for years. In fact, the first biblical principle about sabbaticals, Leviticus 25.4, in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. This Sabbath was the idea of the land Sabbath after the sixth year was that the land could rest so that it could be more productive in the future. This is exactly why I'm proposing not only for this season, but every six years, every completed six year, Mm -hmm. I do a seven-week sabbatical. That is that the land can rest so that it can be more productive. Uh, Another biblical principle, God rested after the completion of a season of work, and I think that's an important principle, Genesis 2, 2 through 3. There are times when you need to be still and and know that God is God and refocus. Um, And I just think there's biblical precedent for rest. Now, I will say this. A lengthy sabbatical is not a substitute for all the regular sabbaticals you should be taking through the year, like once a week, mm-hmm. um, maybe a, vacations and those sort of things. I think oftentimes these guys are checking out for six or seven weeks more regularly because, quite frankly, they're burning it out the rest of the year, and that's not healthy either. You should obviously take a Sabbath rest every week. You should also take regular vacations, and then after six years of routine work in ministry, you should take consider taking a Sabbath. So, so when you look at um, the, the ministry world, what is common is after six and seven years, a sabbatical for 10 to 12 weeks is common. And I know that, that sounds like a long time. I intentionally took everything smaller because I didn't want to overwhelm people, but that's what's common out there kind of in the world discussion. So, it's a biblical, so number one, there's inherent risk with pastors. Number two, there are biblical principles. Number three, it is a common practice, not just among churches. 24 to 33% of all companies allow for Sabbaths, both paid and unpaid. And then you get to the academic world, which you and I both have an interest in. It's incredibly common mm-hmm. uh, for a time off for writing or just refreshing or focusing or whatever. When you get outside of church world, this is not an uncommon practice. What's even more common now is the more tenure you build up in a company, the more um, vacation time you get. Mm-hmm. So like like last night in Bible study, one of our ladies spoke up and said, Pastor, this week I, I finished my 20th year of work at my company, and they give me, they're now giving me five weeks of vacation. Mm-hmm. Five weeks every year. Yeah, it's a whole month. She could take off. Five weeks in a row and just say, I'm done, and I'm getting paid for it. Well, people recognize this. Mm-hmm. My dad, when he retired, I think he had seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's common. You don't call it sabbatical, but you're basically saying the more this person invests into this company, the more time off we're going to give them. 
And I think that's a common practice that churches should wake up to. Finally, the fourth reason why you should take a sabbatical is because there are great benefits for uh, both the pastor and congregation. For the pastor, uh, it reminds you that ministry is never finished, and so taking off is going to be fine. It reminds you, uh, it, it, it causes you to have an ease from the emotional and relational trauma that is very severe. It allows you to grow deeper and clearer in your relationship with God. Let me tell you what I'm going to do on my Sabbath. Um, nothing. I am not taking a volume of personal enrichment books. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, advancing a degree. I'm not taking a class. I'm not going to seminars. Not brainstorming or anything. No, no, I'm not planning. I'll do all that when I get back. But I'm not even taking my phone. I'm not taking my computer. I'm, I'm not even taking my iPad. I'm actually going to go buy a Kindle reader mm-hmm. um, so that all I can have is digital books with no internet access or anything like that. Um, I'm taking a paid a printed Bible and a journal and um, I'm goal in seven weeks to read the Bible in seven weeks mm-hmm. and just be still know that I'm God I'm gonna do some vacationing obviously during the time uh, I'm also just gonna be here um, checked out of church no committee meetings no no preaching no teaching uh, no 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 communication even from the congregation unless there is an emergency okay and so that is what I'm doing. Um, I am remaining on church salary, but in our case, I did not request additional sabbatical assistance from the church. I just, me personally, I didn't feel comfortable with that. I mean, I, first of all, I think our finances are a little tight, um, as most people's most people are, and I think um, it's okay too. But for me, it just wasn't fitting. I've been saving money for several years for a lengthy vacation with Angie on our 20th wedding anniversary. So I paid cash for all of our trips up front. And I mean, I'm going to Jamaica, I'm going to Colorado, I'm all plane tickets, all hotels, everything's already paid for. Um, of course, we're staying in town for a while. Uh, but I want it to be clear, it's not a vacation. It's not a normal vacation. It's just a time to unplug and disconnect completely. So that's how, that's how I'm doing it. Um, and, and so what questions come to your mind, Aaron, about just uh, that's kind of the plan. I'll talk about what we're going to do as far as covering things. But, you know, what, what would come to your mind? What do you think a guy out there would be thinking as far as questions and that kind of thing? Yeah, first thing is how do I explain this to my church? Yeah. What is my church going to think? Yeah, so I do this just like I do every major decision in the church. Um, I'm just huge on the Nehemiah 2 principle of leadership. You get your leaders together. You cast vision you get a consensus, and then you once you have a consensus of acceptance and understanding, you take it to the next level. The leadership of the church is, is strategic. I mean, you pick them because they are the best representatives of your congregation, and they represent the spirit of your congregation, and they know the people of the congregation. Yeah. Um, so when I have unan- unanimous support on something of, of a major change, then I can proceed. As it relates to the church, Two weeks before I leave, I'm going to preach an entire sermon on Sabbath, and I'm going to call it uh, Sabbath was made for man, not mm-hmm. man for Sabbath. And I'm going to explain some of the conflict Jesus had and then lead into um, Sabbath rest for a pastor. So so that's, what, that's my method. Um, like what I did with the missions giving thing that we just talked about, I will, after that sermon, 
I'll more than likely just stand at the front and just receive people mm-hmm. and calm their fears and ask their questions and assure them that I'm not leaving. And I want to emphasize this. Do not take a Sabbath to evaluate whether or not you're staying. That's not what it's for. Mm-hmm. It is birthed out of the commitment to stay. And transparently, I've thought about leaving many times in the last six months probably. Um, and I just have decided with my family that this is not the right call for us to leave. And so because I've recommitted, um, and I shared that with our leadership. You were in the room. Mm-hmm. And I just said, I mean, I've thought about leaving. I've looked at other churches, um, but I'm not. I've, I'm staying. And so I think it would be dishonest and ingenuous to take a seven-week break and then come back and say, well, through the break, yeah. I basically decided I'm, I, I needed to leave. Um, and that has to be a commitment for me now. Now, if a church calls me or a ministry calls me six months later, I'm going to have to say no on my word on what the Lord's already led me to do. I think um, this this is uh, depending on whoever's... You know, we don't know your church, but what if there's like a couple disgruntled members that say, I think that's too long, you need to shorten it or whatever... What what do you think about if if somebody comes to you and says something like that? Would you be open to shortening it or get rid of not certainly not getting rid of it totally? I think you should um, take the full seven weeks. But let's just say you know for sake of example, you got a guy that's been there for six years and he's like, I'm gonna take a sabbatical. Two members come up and say, mm-hmm. I think that's too long. Yeah, I think you need to shorten it. Well, I would have given pause if my leadership group was. Concerned. I didn't have one person. Yeah. Even the one that you and I thought would maybe be the most concerned actually ended up being yeah, he was supportive. very vocally yeah. supportive. And I was a little surprised. I, was, I watched him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say, you know, I'm just going to use uh, the name Nick. And I'm just going to say there's a guy named Nick in my church that isn't going to like it and he's going to be verbal about it. I'm going to say, Nick, I'm sorry that you don't understand this. Mm-hmm. But here are our deacons and our leadership team that can explain to you why they were all in on it. We have one more meeting with the whole group before I leave, and uh, I'm going to coach them on Act 6 about, you know, part of a deacon is to be able to solve disputes mm-hmm. and handle grumblings that come up in the congregation. So so helping that person that has expressed this, this complaint, helping them understand that the church would go on whether or not you're here or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the sermon is hopefully going to address that. But also, I think that knowing that I'm not doing this without consensus, knowing that Mm -hmm. there's leaders around me that are 100% unanimously supportive of it, I know somebody's going to be upset. I'm there, maybe somebody leaves about it. I I don't know, but you know what? Those same people, it that just happens to be the trigger, Mm -hmm. you know. If, if you become convinced that you need to do this, you better do it with or without everybody being always fully supportive of everything you do. It's a terrible way to lead. But I do think, just like I did with the missions thing, going and setting down and talking to people, asking their concerns and giving them feedback and coaching them through, I learned that lesson from Jeff Orge um, in the book um, Leading, Leading Major, Major Change. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a future episode as, we, as it relates to relocation of properties when he moved the seminary from San Francisco to Los Angeles, one of the things he did when he made the announcement was he spent, I want to say, several days going to cubicles, going to offices, setting down with the 50-year-old mother of teenagers, mm-hmm. saying, you know, 
how you doing? What can I help you with? And they only lost two people, I think, in that transition, which is extraordinary. So that's the kind of model that I like. I just like that. I'm just going to tell them, if you got questions or concerns, I'm going to be right here. I want to answer your questions or concerns. And then I will be showing them the strategy of how we're going to cover things. And I think assuring them that the church goes on is like kind of like you mentioned the way forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so that so how do you how do you how do you cover church when the pastor's gone for seven or eight weeks? Okay, well I got four statements I want to make and then we can wrap this up. But number one, you let your lay pastors teach. Your lay pastors teach. I mean obviously you gotta cover the pulpit. I would hate to think that I was in church for six years and have people around me that can preach. Um, if you're in a position where you can't, you just don't have them, you have a small church, whatever the case may be, it's fine. Um, then you got to get guest speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that would be worth the investment. For those that are concerned about the cost of it, an idea that we've discussed off the air is that starting when I get back, we're going to start dropping $100 a month into an account so that we can help pay for pastor sabbaticals in the future, including mm-hmm. you. Um, but I think the answer is you cover the pulpit, you cover your classes, you make sure every base is covered. Internally here, we started a sheet that is a collaborative sheet on Google Docs that we are working toward presenting to people when we're gone. Here's who's preaching when. Here's who's teaching what class. Here's who's doing the men's Bible study. It's it's crazy, man, when you step back and think about all the stuff you do. There's a whole bunch of stuff. All yeah. stuff that needs to be covered. And I mean, I do a daily devotional of the book of Proverbs, yep. and I had to get somebody to cover that. So we're way ahead of the curve. I'm recording this two months ahead before I leave. Um, but So that's the first thing, lay pastors teaching, or staff, of course, if you're on a bigger scale. But people got to teach. Number two, gifted members serve. And if you're doing things right, you got gifted members serving in ministry. Well, nothing changes, man. Yeah. Um, the, the children's ministry goes on. The youth ministry goes on. The senior adults go on. The small groups go on. You know, those things go on because you've got gifted members serving in those capacities. Number three, you got trained counselors helping. I'll be leaving the names of three or four church members that are have some level of counseling training that can at least mitigate a challenging circumstance, a kind of an immediate need for advice or a quick marriage re- conflict that needs to be kind of talked through or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then finally, department heads caring, uh, you know, doing the visits, doing River City Cares, which is our ministry of providing meals and care for people that have had sicknesses or whatever, surgeries. Well, there's already people involved in that. So department heads, Sunday school class leaders, small group leaders, um, discipleship group leaders, they're caring for those under their care. So um, why do I need to go to the hospital when you've got a discipleship group? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, okay, so one of your sound guys has a car accident. That's you. Yep. That's your job. Um, uh, Greg Combs has a class for senior adults. One of them is sick. That's him. Um, Kendall Yarbrough does our young marrieds. Mm-hmm. Anybody with an issue related to that, hospital, sickness, surgeries, um, there. Uh, and then funerals. And this is something that we talked about. This was one of the questions that came up and. I'm just going to give you my rule of thumb. I don't even know if I'm right here, and I'll be open to anybody's comments or, or suggestions here, but um, I am not going to come home just because of a funeral. 
um, unless, and I gave two, two rules for this, two emergency situations in which I would want to come home. One, anybody in that room of my leaders, if something happens to them, uh, I will want to know, okay? Number two, anything happens to a child, uh, you know, car kid gets in a car accident and dies or a child gets sick and dies and some freak thing happens Mm -hmm. i need to i'm gonna need to come back other than that i mean you know aaron i was talking to you guys about how many funerals i've done of just like relatives of somebody yeah the last three i think yeah right and i mean i'm just not coming home for that Mm -hmm. i mean i don't need to be here for that i understand there's a risk there but um and just the just because somebody in the church passes away doesn't always mean that you have to do the funeral. Um, and I know that's risky, but you know, if there's a shut-in that virtually nobody knows, and maybe I don't even know, I don't have to do the funeral. Mm-hmm. You could do it. Greg could do it, who does our senior adults. I don't have to be the person that does it. Um, so I think that's important to know, and it's a challenge. That's probably the biggest challenge you get. Um, and I have an emergency protocol that um, you'll be able to contact my wife, and if there's something that you want me to, something you feel like I need to get my eyes on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how we're doing it. Um, what do you remember? Any of the extra other questions that came up in the meeting, or anything that you would add to this? No, I think those are the big ones. Um, I don't think there were actually any other. Somebody uh, just asked about: um, are, Is your family going to come to church here? Oh, that's right. And, and I, of course, uh, yeah, no. The right. answer is no. When I'm in town, I'll be going to other churches. Mm-hmm. Um, There's just too much risk there for people to come up to you during that Sunday. And I won't even watch live stream yeah. because there may just it may cause my mind to think about something, or I may be like, I don't like that song, or you know, there get me to be any. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ooh, that didn't work out well, or oh, that sermon. Ouch! I, you know, mm-hmm. oh, don't do that. You know, I'm not that that's going to happen, but you know, it could happen. Right. You run the risk of your mind going somewhere. Or seeing somebody just from the camera angle, they usually sit there. They're not there. And you know now you're worried. Now about I'm it. worried yeah. about it. You know that kind of thing. So I think I think that was a good question. They even asked about my kids, and mm-hmm. so no, my kids are going to take a complete sabbatical from their friends, church friends. Yeah. And um, and they're going to be engaging more in family. This is more of a family time. Grandparents are here. They're going to spend some time with their cousins and. So it's just a reorientation a little bit. If somebody um, listening is deciding to take a sabbatical in the near future, are there any books you would recommend that they would take with them? Yeah. uh, Oh, oh my. For reading, for personal enrichment? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Sure. Let me me actually give a little plug here for something that I read in preparation. Focus on the Family has a sabbatical guide for pastors. It's a PDF. We sent it to all of our church leaders. Um, And it was a good read for me. It was was good research. Um, yeah, let me give you a few things here that you should consider reading on sabbatical. Oh, boy. Um, for things just like personal rest, and re- here's what I don't want you to do. If you go on a sabbatical, do not read theology. Do not read commentaries. Like, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't go diving in to everything that's, that you're looking to enrich your pastoral proficiency. That would be a mistake, I think. Mm-hmm. Obviously, read your Bible, but if you're going to read something that's not... I mean, I'm looking through like books that I've read recently. I mean, it's just so much um, related to 
ministry and preaching and all these sort of things. So let me just flip back through some that I've read recently that are not there. While you're looking, yeah. there was one that popped out in my mind that you mentioned. Uh, I think this was last year or the year before. It was Gentle and Lowly by um, Ortland, right? Yeah, Ortland. That would be a fantastic yeah. book. Because that, what is that? That's, that's theological in the sense of it's teaching you about God. It's not theological in the sense that you're like grinding out yeah. Calvinism yeah. position. It's learning something about God that's critical. Don't read stuff on social media. Don't read a, like leadership development. For crying yeah. out loud, you're going to read a leadership development book, and you're going to be making a list of 20 things you need to do to improve your life. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Read something like Gentle and Lowly. Read something like Reset by David Murray. Read All by Paul Tripp. Mm-hmm. Um, read some of the classic books on personal rhythms like Zeal, uh, Zeal Without Burnout by Christopher Ashe. Um, read Margin by Svensson. Uh, those are that's excellent. Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordario. These are books that are intended to feed you when you're kind of at a low spot. Nothing on church growth. Nothing on you know like I'm I'm reading through books I've read. Fusion. Don't read Fusion by Nelson Sears. That's not a good book to read. Um, uh, you know Carrie Schmidt's book on identity. Stop trying that. That would be a, the kind of book that you could read. Uh, uh, things like. Um, Something about the life of Christ, like like Jesus the King by Tim Keller. I read that one. Very good. But I also, even though I love Paul Tripp, I wouldn't want to read Lead by Paul Tripp. Uh, on, on, I wouldn't want to read On Pastoring by H.P. Charles, even though I love the book. And I read it this year or last year. Um, I tell you, uh, you might want to read some things on your family. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I got to tell you, a couple books I've read recently that, that... I mean, I'm not reading them on sabbatical, but that's because I just read them. But... Um, Tech Savvy Family was a real good read. Um, and then I just read, um, oh, this will just destroy your life, but um, How to Raise uh, Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. I mean, that is a excellent book. But again, it kind of leans more like constructive. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm thinking about things like... More devotional. Devotional yeah. or biography or... Something that doesn't have anything to do with church or ministry. I'm going to read some stuff. Like I, I didn't get to finish it because it just I checked it out from the library. But I, I read about a fifth of Invisible Child, which is about poverty in Brooklyn. It was crazy, powerful. That would be the kind of thing I'd read. Something totally off the grid, but biography, Christian living, devotional. Uh, these books about emptiness or, you know, uh, reorienting rest, those kinds of things. And then just, man, some fun, man. Read, read some, read some fiction. Um, I don't have a good list cause I'm not a, a heavy fiction reader. In fact, I read a fictional vacation last year and it just destroyed me cause I didn't understand it and I felt <laughs> stupid, but, and I'm not even gonna tell you a book cause I like the author, but it was a miss for me. Anyways, uh, I got to the end of the fiction. I was like, what happened? <laughs> and that's probably terrible. So, um, yeah. But if you just think in those categories, think more categorically, and I think that'll help you. Yeah. Well, guys, I hope you'll take a sabbatical. I'm, I'm going to. When you listen to this, uh, yeah, I might be on a plane getting ready to perch up on a beach somewhere in the Caribbean. So bless your heart while I'm doing that. Until next time, on behalf of Aaron, I say God bless you, and we'll look forward to our next conversation on life, ministry, and leadership. 